At least they didn't lose. We about to recap the Houston Texans season opener tie against the Indianapolis Colts. All that and more on this latest installment of Locked On Texans. Start the goddamn show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman. That's Cody Davis. And we're doing something that we haven't done in a very long time since January, and that is a game recap. Today's episode of Locked On Texans is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less, then their prize picks projections. You can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Cody! <laughs> Before we talk about the actual game and provide our beat reporter like you are, your that, that part of your job and I give my game analysis, that part of my job. I got to say that I'm pretty sure if you didn't walk out of the stadium or I know you can't walk out of the stadium with it, but at your next destination, if you are a Texan fan and didn't have one of these, (laughs) and this is one of them red cups, if you guys went to school or any kickback within the last 10 years, you know what this is. And if you didn't have one of these, are you a real Texan fan? Well, we got to talk about the Houston Texans. The Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans went head-to-head at the NRG Stadium on Sunday in a game that resulted in a tie. First time in history. First time in the Houston Texan history. We're going to talk about defense. We're going to talk about offense. There is a – of course, this is the first time we've done it in a very long time, so we're going to give you guys – the stats for Houston Davis Mills 23 of 37, 240 yards, two TDs. Both of those TDs went to OJ Howard. Hmm. This is not the more impressive game from the running game that we've seen from the Houston Texans. The first three games of preseason, they rushed the ball very well. However, the Texans on Sunday rushed for 2.8 yards per carry, no TDs, 77 total yards, with Rex Burkhead being the lead carrier. 14 carries, 40 yards. Damian Pierce, 11 carries, 33 yards. No Dare Ongubuale. I thought that was an issue. Brandon Cooks, of course, led all of the wide receivers with 82 yards on seven receptions, 11.7 yards per catch. Chris Moore also, I think, had a decent day. Three catches, 31 yards. One of those catches went for a first down, helped the Houston Texans keep a drive alive. And, of course, O.J. Howard, he had, I thought he had a fantastic day for, you know, for what it's worth, and he just got here in Houston. Two catches, 38 yards, 19, point, oh, 19 yards per catch, two TDs. Nico Collins, only two catches, 26 yards, and we'll get into this later, but Kamu Grugier-Hill, 18 total tackles. But the first segment, we're not going to talk about specifically in details the offense and defense. The decision not to go forward on fourth down when the game is on the line at the end of the fourth quarter for the Houston Texans. Cody, let's talk about it. Look, 
I agree with the decision, plain and simple. Uh, I, I'm going to say I agree with the, the decision. And before moving on, I want you guys to listen to what Lovey Smith had to say about the decision to punt the ball away and not just go for it on fourth down with a chance to win the game. Because I feel like uh, a tie was better than a loss in that situation. It's a decision that you make. Uh, if, we, if you were guaranteed that we were going to get it, then it was good. But if you miss it right there and they had stuffed us on the play, they have one play and they're in position. It's not like we were playing our best defense at the time. We were drained. We were gassed a little bit. So um, that's how it goes. You would like to, you would, in an ideal world, you don't want a loss. You want to win. But if you can't get the win, and, you know, sometimes you sell for the tie. A lot of football left to go in the season. Once again, John, listeners and viewers, I 100% agree with Coach Smith's decision to punt the ball away and just settle for the tie. By the way, that is a crazy way to kick off your 20th anniversary, correct? But when, when I take a look at everything that was leading up to that moment, I 100% agree with it because, John, listeners, listeners and viewers, the Houston Texans was fourth and third at the midway point of the field. Had it been a turnover on down, that would have given Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, and that Indianapolis Coast's offense an opportunity to win this game. And this is an Indianapolis Coast's team that had recorded 214 yards, 14 first downs, and three scores. One was a field goal and two was a touchdown at this moment. And I understand people were saying, well, the kicker had already missed the opportunity to win the game. His confidence was shot. While that is true, there is no way in hell he would have missed another field goal. That's why I say I 100% agree with Coach Lovey Smith's decision to just settle for the tie. And you know what? I, I understand it because neither one of the Texans on both sides of the ball at that point, they was not playing well. Listen, Lovey Smith said something that I thought was very interesting and he was right but as a matter of fact cody play that clip one more time if you don't mind because i feel like uh a tie was better than a loss in that situation it's a decision that you make uh if we if you were guaranteed that we were going to get it then it was good but if you miss it right there and they had stuffed us on the play they have one play and they're in position it's not like we were playing our best defense at the time we were drained we were gassed a little bit so um, that's how it goes you would like to, you would in an ideal world you don't want a loss you want to win but if you can't get the win and you know sometimes you sell for the tie a lot of football left to go in the season now here's why that clip is interesting we were drained right uh and i think that's what it was the defense was drained and that's why they gave up the amount of yards and, and tds in that fourth quarter because the offense was unable to establish drives and move the ball but to speak directly to that fourth and third play we got to go back to the third and one play that was the issue yeah you're handing right about the ball that off to rex burkhead for negative two yards <laughs> handing the ball off to rex burkhead that is why the houston texans was was in a fourth and third but to speak even more directly to that fourth and third play no you go for it I look at it like this, and of course, there's going to be people that disagree. There's going to be people that agree. And if anybody on the coaching staff runs across this podcast, they're going to agree or disagree. But 
if you play for the tie, which what I think the Texans, you know, essentially did, then that sets precedent to your entire year. I didn't think the Houston Texans was aggressive. And I also think that it speaks volumes beyond volumes to who they believe their quarterback is and who they believe their quarterback isn't. If you mm-hmm. go on third and one and hand the ball off to a Rex Burkhead, and we'll talk about that more in the offensive side of the segment. But um, that was the issue. I disagree with not going forward there. If you lose, then lose. But as a former player, and I, and I get it, it's only high school. I would rather 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 lose than tie, because now I feel like there are things that maybe we could have did, and I'm I don't know. Maybe players feel like that in the locker room. I disagree with that call. Um, I disagree even more with the call on third and one to hand the ball off to Rex Burkhead. But overall, I think offensively, this game was lost on the shoulders of the play calling in the second half. And it led directly to Houston not being aggressive on fourth and third when they were on the other side of the 50-yard line, not giving their team an opportunity to win the game, not believing in their quarterback. I think there was two plays that the quarterback should have had the ball in his hands. And I know that there was a fumble early in the game with with Davis Mills. And I know that there was issues early on. And I don't know why Davis Mills doesn't believe to use his legs. But that speaks directly to why they probably handed it off, even more so why they did not go forward on fourth and third. And again, ladies and gentlemen, in the fourth quarter alone, the Texans gave up 14 first downs. 216 yards along with 17 points and they had zero points in response with 12 total yards we gotta talk about the offense and why that was the real issue and storyline for the houston texans but prize picks is a daily fantasy made easy again pick two to five players and if they score more or less then their prize picks projections you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So, again, go to prizepicks.com. Take your phone out of your pocket. Use promo code locked on to receive a 100% instant right then and there deposit match up to $100 with that promo code. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Recap Monday because it ended in a tie, we still can't say victory or half victory Monday or no. You, you don't want to do that? Nah, half, no victory. Half victory. No. Of a Vic Monday. A Vic listen, Monday. This, this was one of those. <laughs> listen, this was one of those ties that I consider a loss. Yeah, now, you're right about in, that. In, in the record, in the record book, it's going to go as a tie. But this team was up 17 points with 15 minutes left to go. Yeah, And they were unable to stop the ball. They were unable to move the ball. This was a loss. It just so happened the Colts missed a field goal that they should have made. And I 100% agree with you about that. But what I would say is, you know, John, we opened up this segment talking about the biggest topic that came out of this game. You know, whether or not Coach Lovey Smith made the right decision. And I gave some pointers as to why I agree with him. And another thing I want to point out, and this is going to transition us into our offensive uh, our offense conversation is the fact that 
in the fourth quarter, when the Houston Texans held the ball for the first three times, they only recorded 14 yards, one first down, and their possessions ended in a fumble, punt, and punt. That is another reason why I 100% agree with Coach Lovey Smith's decision to punt the ball away because at the end of the day, what took place in that in that in that one moment does not take away from the fact that the Houston Texans offense just it, it just disappeared. And John, once again, and I kind of feel like we are re- repeating the same thing that we said last year. And the year after that, and the year after that, this offense is still being conservative, especially when they have a lead at the most important time of the game. So I have a couple of things to talk about with this offense. And this is not for the cherry on top fans, but I will give some kudos before i do uh there were some issues that i took offense to with the offense i didn't see philip dorsett really involved Hmm. uh that's number one number two i feel like there is no more excuses and there shouldn't be any more room for chris conley on this team uh the houston texans only had 68 plays compared to the indianapolis Colts, 90 plays the second half of the game speaks to why the Houston Texans struggled. Majority of those plays came in the first half or in between the first half and the third quarter. Um, again, uh, I thought that throughout the game, it felt like Pip Hamilton was doing a good job of two things. Number one, allowing the game to come to Mills by creating favorable matchups and getting players within space. That was early in the game. And if you guys remember early on, the first play of the game, Titus Howard motion. The second game, the second play of the game, you saw the tackle split out wide and they motion back in in some sort of a uh the Pep Hamilton's version of swinging gate it looked like. And, and shout out to Sterling, by the way. And and then after that, you saw a couple of drops on their following two drives. Those drops by those receivers, I thought would have made a difference in the Houston Texans being able to establish themselves early on in the game. They were able to make a forward with O.J. Howard. What else I wanted to point out on Mills' second touchdown to O.J. Howard. Kudos and credit where credit is due. There was three tight ends on the field. Two things out of that we heard throughout the entire offseason from almost every tight end and Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills how much the tight ends will be utilized on this offense. They never said how much they will be featured as pass catchers, but they will be utilized. And there were multiple times throughout the game where we saw 12 post personnel. There was multiple times throughout that game where we saw Brevin Jordan, Farrell Brown, and O.J. Howard on the field at the same time. So I did love that, guys. And I also loved on that second touchdown to O.J. Howard, Davis Mills doing a very good job of dissecting the defense quickly, recognizing that it was 30 uh, – it was uh, – cover three, excuse me, and attack that cover three by hitting his tight end in the seam. Those were all positive things. And I want to address Rex Burkhead and his usage, ladies and gentlemen, Cody, early in the game. I felt like early in the game, the play calling with Rex Burkhead, I'm going to just say this. I feel like they are more comfortable with Rex Burkhead out there with certain plays. And I feel like they believe that Rex Burkhead gives them flexibility in their play calling. And you saw it out there. It, it, when, you, you, when Rex Burkhead is out there, you were able to see 
how Houston switched things up throughout drives. But the man isn't good. No disrespect. But this isn't about – and, again, I, I get that. Everybody has a right to feel that way. Hell, Cody, I feel that way. But in terms of why he was on the field, in terms of why he is on the 53-man roster, Rex Burkhead at this point in his career compared to the point that Damian Pierce is in his career, because I know I know a lot of you guys are out there fuming that you didn't see more of Damian Pierce, and I understand that. But in terms of play calling, Rex Burkhead does give them more flexibility. That is because Damian Pierce may not have a grasp of the offense and what some of the assignments are. That could be a huge possibility. Talent-wise, 100 times out of 100, you're going to take Damian Pierce. And I get that. And, and, I, and I did not like that the marriage throughout the game showed that. There were multiple times, and I go directly to third and one in the fourth quarter when you needed to move the chains. Why was it? Rex Burkhead and not Damian Pierce because if Rex Burkhead gives you that f- flexibility on play calling, then but Damian Pierce was listed as your number one running back, that means you believe at the very least Damian Pierce can do things as a pure runner, Rex Burkhead cannot. And in that situation, with that play call, Damian Pierce should have been on the field. I thought that the offensive line was decent, I liked what I saw to Titus Howard in live action versus starters. There was uh, some to be left de- to desire with Laramie Tunsil as, an, as a blocker, a, a run blocker. Keon Green, he does have a way to go. There were times where he looked very good. There was times where experience and pass blocking situations was not in his favor. Early in the game, I thought A.J. Can looked good in the run game. Throughout the game, that changed uh, not heavily, but moderately throughout the game. Offensively, I think the issue was, if I can wrap all of this up, Cody, I know I said a lot. The issue was they just did not trust Davis Mills to win the game. And that's it. The entire fourth quarter, if you notice the play calling, yes, they were conservative. But if you notice the play calling in the first two quarters compared to what the Houston Texans did after that, to me it's sung, okay, well, woo, we are up now by 17 points. And we should not lose the game. Just don't make a mistake. That's what I saw out of that offense. It wasn't Davis, let's keep winning the game. It was Davis, let's just not lose the game. That was an issue. The tail of two halves with Pep Hamilton's play calling was on live display on Sunday. And I think ultimately that's why the Houston Texans lost this game. I I understand your point, point about the Texans not fully trusting davis mills but john we, we this is week one of a brand new season and we've been preaching it they have been saying it saying it. everybody has been writing and talking about it talking about it how they're going all out giving davis mills an opportunity to prove his worth as the starting quarterback for this organization beyond this upcoming season if they do not trust them are you saying we 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 definitely moving on from another quarterback what because I'm saying I, is, I, I, I truly prepared for CJ Stroud. Okay, then I'm glad that you mentioned that because John, I'm looking at this from a standpoint of what with Davis Mills, he has all of the intangibles to go out there and be that quarterback and make those plays. However, 
I just don't understand why we don't see it when the lights are bright. Like, when I go back and I take a look at those last five games of the regular season, that was the best version of Davis Mills that we saw last year. I did not see that version of Davis Mills this year. Plus, I also saw a a version of Davis Mills, as you mentioned, you know, we don't trust you. We don't trust you for us to go out there and lead us to a victory, but we trust you enough to say, you know what? Just don't lose us the game. And John, I do not like that. If that is the guy that you were putting as your number one quarterback to say, you know what, we're giving him an opportunity to do so, I feel like this organization is is going back on their word because if you are putting Davis Mills in the opportunity to say that he is the quarterback of the future, you go out there and say, you know what? Make us, you go out there and keep us with the lead. You go out there and lead us, even though our defense gave up the, the, you know, it's part of the reason why our defense gave up this big lead. You know what? We got the ball with a minute and something left. March us down the field. Let's continue to be aggressive. And John, I am so disappointed in Pep Hamilton because it's almost like watching Tim Kelly all over again, where it didn't matter if it was Deshaun, it didn't matter if it was Tyrod Taylor or Rookie Davis Mills, you were always calling a conservative offense, and that is part of the reason why we are sitting here talking about the Houston Texans blew another double-digit lead. And as for the rest Burkhead situation, look, Damian Pierce might not give this team flexibility. And when you say flexibility, are you also saying not only can Davis Mill provide this team with a boost with his rushing attack, but he could also be a pass catcher out of the backfield? In terms of Damian Pierce, I think that Rex Burkhead allows Pep Hamilton to call certain plays. And that was on full display on Sunday. Along with that same statement, John, and look, Rex Burkhead has had a nice career, but the man isn't good. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint, some of those plays were, were, were opportunities for him to be utilized as a pass catcher out of the backfield. At that moment, the Texans should have went with Dar Ray because he is the best pass catching running back that they have. This is a guy who has recorded almost 500 yards, 500 receiving yards throughout his career. Like, no disrespect to this man, but Rex Burkhead isn't good. And that's part of the reason guys. why we are sitting here today. Just why are we sitting here with a tie? I want to let you guys know what are we talking about when we say that it was more favored in Rex Burkhead. You guys watch the game and you understand that. But after Houston scored their last touchdown to put the Texans up 20-3, to Texans went punt, fumble, punt, punt. But after that last score... Rex Burkhead had 10 opportunities to either run the ball or receive the ball compared to Damian Pierce's four opportunities. And I'm not talking about who's the better talent. (laughs) I'm strictly saying that I could see the justification of why Rex Burkhead is on the field more than Damian Pierce by saying Rex does some things that allows us to open up Playbook. And if you uh, saw that, but if you, well, we'll we'll see. Don't argue who's the better player. No, I'm not saying I'm arguing the better player, but. But 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 the only thing I'm saying is that would that would make more logical sense to me had Russ Burkhead been with had this still been Tim Kelly on the sideline calling plays like this is a brand new coaching staff a brand new offensive coordinator Dari has been here you know 
just as long this whole entire offseason with Pep Hamilton. Like, I just okay. don't understand. Example, if you want more this. flexibility, cut him and think just run this. with Darray and 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 I, and um Damian Pierce. I want you to think of this. In the preseason, we saw a very basic offense, right? And a lot of times the argument was, where is this offense that you guys are hiding that is going to be different? I'm still, I'm still, I'm still questioning that. Well, no, you, you can't question it because we saw in the first quarter, in that first half, they got it came out in the first on the first play of the third quarter. It was a Rex Burkhead toss up the middle. I saw we saw that last year. We saw that last year. Week five against, against the against the Patriots. Again, what I'm saying, and who was there last year? Who wasn't? Rex Burkhead was in Houston last year. Damian Pierce was in Florida. I'm not arguing talent. What I'm arguing is as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, you are comfortable with certain players doing certain things that you're just not comfortable yet with a rookie running back. That is the NFL. So, again, I'm, I'm bringing back up the preseason. In the preseason, we saw Damian Pierce have a lot of success with a very basic offense. This is the regular season now where Pep Hamilton has – he has been – in game one was much more creative in game one than we saw in three games in the preseason. And maybe he believes that Rex Burkhead allows him to do certain things at this point in their careers that Damian Pierce doesn't. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. Now make Locked On Fantasy Football your second listen. And with the help of fantasy expert Vinny Iyer, you may be smart enough to make moves like Justin Jefferson, who to pick up, maybe bringing in Jameis Winston later in the later rounds in the NFL draft fantasy football. He has all of the NFL expertise for fantasy football to give you the moves the unique angle that no one else has. Get ready for fantasy draft for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. Well, I mean, as we look at the plays now, of course, uh, uh, Rex, of course, got a chance to carry the ball more. But um, you know, uh, Rex, when we're pa- you know passing plays, uh, passing situation, Rex was our lead back in that situation. So that's kind of what happened. In the ideal world, of course, you would. You know, when you have a lead, uh, you would like for that not to be the case. Once they came back at the end, that's when the numbers start changing a little bit. And with Lovey Smith saying it, I do want you guys to remember that Davis Mills did throw the ball 37 times compared to the Houston Texans offense running the ball 28 times and again for 2.8 yards per carry. What I failed to mention in the offensive segment was I do believe that Pep Hamilton early in the game tried to help Davis Mills establish himself as a pass thrower. Uh, there was a lot of quick routes. If you go, if you guys go back and watch that game, watch the amount of times in that first quarter you saw some curls throughout the game, some out routes, and some digs to allow those short yardage plays to maybe expand and, and pick up more extra yards. There was two drops by the wide receivers which forced Houston to go third and out on the first two drives. Now let's look at the defense. And I got to say, man, this was the most impressive part of this Houston Texan team. Heading into week one, taking on Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. Lovey Smith mentioned gang tackling, and that is exactly what the Houston Texans did. Jalen Petrie with the first tackle of the game. Shout out to Petrie, hometown kid, was right there gang tackling. Some stars that I saw on defense Malik Collins, Jerry Hughes, of course, with two sacks and an interception. Roy Lopez played a hell of a game. And I want to take a step back. And when I say take a step back, I'm going back all the way to the DBs. Jalen Petrie and Jonathan Owens 
Mm. had 26 combined tackles. And when I look at the linebacker group, a group on this team that I have given a lot of praise to because of how fast they've been playing throughout the preseason, how much they've been doing a better job of play recognition. Christian Kersey and Kamu Gouchier-Hill combined for 27 total tackles. 18 of those tackles was from Kamu Gouchier-Hill. The defense, six tackles for loss, 11 pass deflections, two sacks, and one interception. Those guys play damn good enough to win this ball game. I think that people are going to look at the defense and say, well, you guys were giving up these plays. Ladies and gentlemen, they were on the field majority of the time in that second half. The Houston Texans lost the time of possession by nine minutes. We're going to see when those numbers come out tomorrow how much of that was coming from that second half when they was not able to stay on the field offensively. I was thoroughly proud of the Houston Texans. I thought that early in the game, especially in that second half, the first half, they did a very good job of not allowing plays over 15 to 20 yards, which was something that they struggled with last year. The play calling was very impressive. Shout out to the Houston Texans by not being what we talked about last week, Cody, the basic base cover two defense, Mm -hmm. sending guys like um, Desmond King on a blitz, and that resulted to an impressive stop on, on, on Jonathan Taylor. They held Jonathan Taylor to 15 yards on seven carries. Uh, I'm sorry, before the 15-yard run, they held Jonathan Taylor to 18 yards on seven carries, 2.6 yards per carry. I think the defense did a remarkable job considering they were taking on the lead rusher from last year, considering they were taking on a savvy veteran in Matt Ryan who got it going late in the third, in the fourth quarter, uh, and, and considering they were taking on some stud, a stud right receiver. Steven Nelson proved to be the best offseason signing outside of Jerry Hughes, and when I look at Derek Stingley Jr., you guys have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, John, and look, when we sit here and talk about this tie, um, I, I really do feel bad for the for the defense because anybody who did not watch this game, you just look at the box score, you will see Matt Ryan, 352 yards, Jonathan Taylor, 161 yards, you'll see Michael Pippen, 121 yards. These numbers do not justify how good the Houston Texans played on that defensive side of the ball through at least the first three quarters. You know, you mentioned Jalen Petrie um and, and Jordan and Jonathan Owens. What I liked about what I like most about them, how many tackles did they have combined? 23? 26. 26 tackles combined. And I know, you know, you re- you might not you don't want to see your safeties get that many tackles. I understand that. But at the end of the day, that lets you know that with those two guys sitting back there, if by any chance, if the opposing team can get past the defensive front, that lets you know that those two guys are going to stop them. And that's very important because when you go back and you take a look at the Texans from 2020 and 2021, there were several moments where, the opposing team was able to get to the second and third level because they did not have a solid secondary. Now they have a solid secondary. We're not going to see those big plays like we used to see, especially with their run with their run defense. Speaking of run defense, once again, Jonathan Taylor, 161 yards. 
that does not justify how good they played Taylor going into the fourth quarter. Because going into the fourth quarter, this was a man that only had 85 yards. In the fourth quarter, they gave up 76. And that is saying a lot because as we talked about in that in the second segment, the Texans offense could not sustain drives. And if your offense can't sustain drives, that means your defense is always going to be out there on the field. And if your defense is always out there on the field, eventually it doesn't matter how in shape these guys are. At the end of the day, they are still human, and they are going to get tired. And we're going to see, uh, uh, you know, significantly gain a, a big play out of Jonathan Taylor and, of course, the, the Indianapolis Colts' offense that resulted in them once again recording 214 yards in the fourth quarter with 14 first downs and three scores. Again, one field goal and two touchdowns. I really do feel bad for this Houston Texans defense. However, during his post-game press conference, Coach Lovey Smith did say there was a lot of good to take away out this win, and the play of the defense is the best thing that you can take away from this game. Yeah, and I'm going to mention that as well, but I want to let you guys know how inept that offense was. After they scored their first that last touchdown, which I've already mentioned, the Texans punted after 12 plays, 58 yards. The Colts come back and score a field goal. That allows Houston to keep a 14-point lead. They were up 20-6. to six. After that fumble after two plays, the Texans allow a score by the Indianapolis Colts, 20-13. Five plays, punt. The Colts come back down and score. Three plays for four yards, punt. The Colts come down and punt. One play, negative two yards to end off the half. And the rest is history. The defense did almost everything they could. Hmm. But what's significant about that last touchdown that they scored, they held the ball for six and a half minutes on the 12-play drive that resulted in a punt. Then after that, 55 seconds, three minutes and 13 seconds, 38 seconds. This is an NFL team with a defense that deserves a breather. That's what they did not get. Now, Cody, what did you say Lovey Smith said? There were some good things to take away from this game? Yes, I sir. think there was. I think one of the good things that you can take away from this game is, number one, it's only up from here. Make adjustments. Learn how to get better. I think that uh, Dare should get more attention as a running back. I think Philip Dorsett should completely – between Dorsett and Chris Moore, we should not see no more of Chris Conley on the field for the Houston Texans. Uh, I also would like to say that to take away from this game, I'm not being negative because I'm going to get to the positive, but if I'm Nico Collins, I'm having a sign that says I'm also here as well. Hmm. Now, some good things to take away. Roy Lopez is a very good football player at the one technique – whether he's playing the one or he's playing the zero, he's a very good football player. Steven Nelson was the right choice as an offseason acquisition. Derek Stingley, as of right now, my mood and feelings as of right now, was a very good choice with the number three overall pick. And between Christian Kersey and Cameron Grugier-Hill, those two guys played, I think, phenomenal. Yes, they may have given up a player two here and there, but overall – they played very good, and Titus Howard had a very good day at right tackle as well. Thank you guys for checking out today's recap edition of the Locked On Texan podcast. 
Make sure you check us out throughout the entire week. We're going to get some more stats, some more numbers, and use that to discuss how the Texans maybe should have won and just discuss some of their issues. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Subscribe to the Locked On Texans podcast on YouTube as well under the name Locked On Texans. And for all of you Texan fans out there, if you're going through it right now, I understand. Just go into your cabinet, get one of these, pour whatever you have, and just forget about it. It's week one of 18. We have 17 more weeks to go to see whether or not the Jags are going to win. They did not. To see whether or not the Titans are going to win. They did not. As of right now in the AOC South, there is no leader. It should have been, you know. Well, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore twenty four. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore twenty four. All I know is it's not going to be the Houston Texans being the leader if you continuously keep going out there with Rex Burkhead. But you know what? What do we know? Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace.